0: is my co-host Curtis and today on the show we are talking exclusively about spring football practice which opens up next Tuesday, March 16th and man does that feel good to say. After this past year of no spring practice and a completely whacked out college football season, I am so ready to get back on the normal train And look, yeah, I know, I know things are not completely back to normal yet, but we're definitely trending in the right direction right now. And just the fact that we are having spring practice, as far as I'm concerned, that is a massive step in the right direction. And I'm also hearing that the recruiting restrictions that have been in effect basically since the beginning of this pandemic, right around this time last year, I'm hearing that those restrictions are likely to start being loosened up at the end of May. So again, things are trending in the right direction. We've got college campuses that are going to be opening up in the fall. We've got athletic departments have already announced that they are fully expecting to have completely full stadiums come this fall. So spring practice being here, even though it might be a small step in the right direction, it is a step in the right direction and it feels very, very good. But and as you know, spring practice in the past, it's kind of always, it's always been great, okay? It's been great because it's Georgia football and anything Georgia football related is great, especially this time of year when it's the off season. Any football I can take, it's awesome. I'll take it, right? But, But saying that spring practice in and of itself isn't usually like all that exciting because it's a lot of fundamental work, Very few position battles are ever actually decided in the spring. Guys might make moves on the depth chart, but you still have to continue that progress through the summer and into fall camp. But I don't care. I don't care. This year, I am pumped for it. More excited than ever. And of course, we will be covering it through the month of March and into April for you guys here on the Glory UGA podcast. That is what we're here to do, right? And this episode is going to serve as our official spring practice preview. And it's a little bit different than how we've done this in the past. Those of you who have been with us for a long time, I know you guys are out there. We love you guys. And you know, traditionally, we've done an offensive preview and then a defensive preview for spring practice, like two separate episodes. it's kind of been overkill in the past so this year we're going to put it all into one episode and the way this is going to work I've got 10 questions that I've come up with that are on my mind 10 questions that I think need to be answered over the course of our 15 spring practices now again this is spring practice so it is unlikely that we're going to have definitive definitive answers to these questions when spring practice ends but hopefully at the very least, we will begin to have a better idea as to what the answers to these questions may potentially be. So today I'm going to run through my 10 questions. and I have a lot more than 10, but I try to limit myself to 10 here. And Curtis is going to give me his projection. I'll, talk, I'll give you my, my thoughts as well. But we'll give you our projections on what the answers to these questions will be. And then at the conclusion of spring practice, we're going to circle back around and try to answer them again based on the info that we end up getting from spring practice after G-Day. So Curtis, we've got a lot to get through today. We've got 10 questions here. Let's go ahead and kick it off. And I'm going to start with the question I think is at the top of every Bulldog fan's mind, and that's the secondary. We're actually going to start with the first two questions, deal with the secondary. We are pretty confident as to the answers at safety. We know that we're going to have Louisine back there and likely Chris Smith unless somebody else emerges, but those are probably the two favorites, clearly the two favorites heading into spring practice. But the position that I think is the most wide open on the entire team is obviously cornerback. We've discussed this a lot throughout the offseason already to this point. So, Curtis, my first question today is who steps up and seizes the early lead at both cornerback positions? If you're looking at it now before spring practice, who are you going with?
2: Go with Amir speed and Keely Ringo, just throwing two names out. All
0: right. So Amir Speed's a guy that I highlighted earlier in the week. I talked about as a guy who might be off the radar right now, people kind of forgot he's even still on the team, but I think I'm with you. I think he's going to be a contender for this spot. What makes you say that speed is going to be a guy that maybe coming out of spring practice is up there at number on the depth chart.
2: Big thing is just the opportunities there for him. There's not as many guys there to take the, you know really jump in and take a hold of that position especially in the spring practice because spring practice you can it's you don't see as much movement done as you do in fall practice right especially someone who's been around has the experience has gone through some spring practices in his own right he's comfortable in the system um he has that long body um he's athletic so i think that he just has everything that's going to help him at least come out of spring i'm not i don't know if he'll hold the job down but it just wouldn't shock me for him to come out spring
0: yeah, I think you're right here. I think this is a really good answer because we've seen this story so many times before spring practice where the guy who's the veteran who maybe hasn't been in the limelight, hasn't been the starter, but the position's open. He's kind of next in line in terms of like he's been here, he's got that seniority, and he gets the first crack at it when you open spring practice. And, you, of course, you're going to hear guys like Nyland Green. You're going to hear them making some waves. We hear this all the time in spring practice. And you hear all these great things about these young guys, but then, lo and behold, when you get to G-Day. the the veteran is the guy that rolls out there with the first team and when spring practice is done he's at the top of the depth chart but that is kind of a motivating tool right where you use that to motivate the young guys because you don't want the young guys to think that that they've arrived the second they step on campus you want to make them earn it you want to have that sense of entitlement so I think that's a a tool that coaches use a lot of the time so I I really believe that Amir Speed is going to get one of the first cracks at it and I think there's a really good chance as you said, that he'll leave spring practice as the number one, as one of the guys at the cornerback spot. And he's a guy that's in a similar situation to Latavius Breening. Now, they're not the same type of player. Breening's not really a cornerback. But two guys that really just hadn't done much at all defensively in meaningful situations. But we saw Breening get his his crack at it late in the season last year and, and perform pretty well. So maybe speeds a guy. Once gets a chance on the field in those situations, maybe he can rise the occasion that like we saw from Latavius Breening. And uh, then you mentioned Keeley Ringo Curtis. What is it about Ringo that gives you confidence that he's going to be that guy?
2: Um, I mean, let's just be honest. He's got every, all the intangibles, everything you think of when you think of a star cornerback. Uh, so yeah. and once again, very similar to a mere speed, there's just not that many people to challenge him at this point in time.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of options. Of course, you've got Nyland green coming in. You got a couple of true freshmen coming in. You've got Jalen Kimber there as well, but you're right. If you look at just the physical profile, it's pretty clear. That Keely Ringo is the most physically gifted of pr- pretty much any cornerback on the roster. Now, does that mean that he's 100 ready to be that guy? We don't know that. We haven't seen him at the college level yet. But I think all the signs that we ha- that we have knowledge of to this point will lead us to believe that he's going to be a guy that could certainly emerge and kind of take a—I don't say a stranglehold. Because you're right, right, we don't. Who takes a stranglehold on the job in spring? You wanna, You want to keep these guys hungry and keep working through the the spring and summer into fall camp. But I think he's a, obviously a very strong candidate there as well, along with, along with guys like Nyland Green and Jalen Kimber. Those guys will be in the battle as well. All right. Sticking with the secondary. Let's go to the star position. We're losing. I mean, we're losing so much at cornerback in the star position there, Curtis. So who do you think fits in at star? Is it Latavius Green? He got a crack at that late in the season. Is he the guy you think will end up being the answer there?
2: Um, Yeah, I think he will, especially in spring practice. I just think that, you know, the way he came on in the season, he played strong, and I think you'll see him carry it over into spring.
0: And I know we're talking about spring right now, but, like, how confident are you that once we hit the field, hopefully against Clemson and Charlotte North Carolina, that he's actually going to roll out there with the ones at star? Um, It wouldn't shock me, um, honestly. Do you feel good about that? Like, if he rolls out there with the ones – I mean, I'd be a little nervous,
2: but at this point in time, who do we have that's better?
0: I know, that's the thing. And, like, and I, I don't mean to discount what Brady brings to the table. I thought he did really well in the playing time he got against Missouri and in the Peach Bowl as well. But in, in run support, I think he he brings a lot to the table, which at playing star, that's a big part of that position. You've got to get in there, and you've got to support against the run. You've got to, You've got run fits the whole nine yards. You've got all that stuff but you've also got to be able to cover some of those quicker, shiftier slot receivers. And I just, I don't know if he can do that. And, and maybe he can, I don't know. I just, I truly really don't know. Cause we haven't seen him really have to do that, but I do have concerns about him in coverage as those type of receivers. Can you imagine him against a guy like, let's say from last, from Florida last year, Kadarius Tony, like he's that, that's a mismatch. That's a problem. So, and maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I just haven't seen enough of him in coverage to really know, but I still have that question. If it's not Latavius Breen, who do you think it might be? Like, who are even the other options there, Curtis?
2: I mean, that's the problem. That's why I went with Latavius Breen. There's just not as many. I mean, you could look at Jalen Kimber and people like that, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think Kimber has enough weight, right? I don't think he's big enough right now to hold hold up against the run, like you would at star. I just don't think he can do it right now. Like Keely Ringo has the the size to be physical enough to be able to handle it, but I think he he he's so valuable as a potential cornerback that I just don't know if you can put him there. What about what about a guy like William Poole, another guy that's kind of like had his moment a couple of years ago in spring practice? Like he might be really continuing for that job, but kind of fell off the radar. Can he make a move this spring? Um.
2: I just think that Brini has the better body for that position. Honestly, uh, uh, William Pool is very limited.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he's he's not as big and physical as Brini. There's no doubt, but I do think Pool might be a better option in coverage. So it's it's tough. Maybe Pool fits more as like the money guy when you come in and dime packages, and Brini fits at star. And, and who knows? Maybe some of these young guys come in, we'll get a look there. I, I, it's tough. It's it's tough right now. Maybe like Major Burns. Like I know he's been a safety, but. You get a look at, at star maybe? I don't know. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, and I'm very interested to see how that actually plays out at star. Who exactly is going to get looks there? Because you're right, Chris. I just don't know if we have a ton of guys that have the, have the total package to really play that position because it takes a unique body type and a, and a unique skill set to be able to play there. So I, that's one question that I'm going to be watching closely as we go through these 15 practices this spring. All right, next question. Let's move away from the secondary. And let's go to the most important position on the field. And to me, I, I've made that clear that throughout the offseason, season that's quarterback. All right. And we all, we're all excited about JT Daniels. We, we love what we saw from him the last part of the season, but JT Daniels was not perfect. we talked about some of the mechanical issues that we saw. So there were some, there were some moments where there were some poor decisions that were made. Now it wasn't an epidemic or anything, but th- there were some times like, Oh, JT, what are you doing there? So, my next question here, Curtis, is will JT Daniels take the next step? And what I mean by that is I'm talking about leadership. Will he become the leader of this team, take ownership of this team? Will he improve his master of the offense, fix some of the mechanical issues, those kind of things? And, and I know we we're not, we don't have any way to know right now, but if you're projecting throughout spring practice, Curtis, do you think we see, like, come G-Day, do we see JT Daniels take that next step? Do we start to see signs of that?
2: Um, yeah, I do. I mean, you even saw when he came in, the offense changed, Every, the whole energy around the team changed, especially offensively. Um, and people got to remember, yeah, he made some questionable decisions. But he also made some really good plays and really good throws. And this is someone who had sat for almost a year and a half, you know, hadn't done, gotten game reps and things like that. So I, don't, I believe he's only going to get better. He's only going to get more comfortable in the system, get in more control of the play calling and, and you know, more on on page with his receivers
0: how much do you think being the guy like the unquestioned number one dude at quarterback is going to help him this spring
2: uh I think it'll help a lot because when you come in with control you know like you're working out everyone knows who to go to
0: yeah I think it's invaluable like you like competition you like guys to have to stay on edge and keep working it pushes them you you like all that of course but there's also something to be said for a guy coming in knowing this is his football team. That's how you establish leadership. And I think that's what this brings about for J.T. Daniels. And we, you're right, we saw signs of being that kind of leader towards the end of last year. But it really, I mean, was it his team? Because he, he really, the last couple, last month of the season, was really taking snaps to the ones. And I think that's also the area where that will really benefit him. Guys, he was taking basically no snaps for the ones until after the Florida game. He just simply was not from basically the, the end of fall camp through the end of the, the, the end of the Florida game, he's not taking snaps to the ones. I think that is gonna really help his master the offense, his decision making, all those things. You're right, It's Not only that he missed basically the entire like a year and a half of playing, or he, he just he wasn't even taking reps with ones with the with the first team offense. And so as if you think about how good he was and how much our offense improved late in the season when he took over, and that was just I think a shell of what we're going to see from JT Daniels this year. I mean, that was just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see from this guy this year. Like I said, he's not perfect, but that's, that's also exciting to me. Like, even with some of the issues, I don't say issues, but some of the mistakes that he did make, some of maybe the mechanical issues that he had, this is a guy that has so much room to improve because he did miss essentially a year and a half of football. And that's really exciting for me. So I do think that we're going to start to see him take the next step. No, we're gonna, not going to know definitively just through spring practice, but this is where you start to take ownership of the team. And I do think we're going to start to see that and uh, come G-Day, hopefully we'll see that play out on the field. And obviously it's going to be a very vanilla offense we see, obviously. And you, you only can figure out so much from G-Day, but it's something. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do and hear the reports from practice. And hopefully he does take that next step. And let's stick on the offense side of the ball, Curtis, here. Question number four. It's something that you and I have talked about a couple of times, but I want to get you on record here going into spring practice. I said that I think cornerback is the most wide open position on the team. I think that's pretty clear. I think the second most wide open position on the field, at least outside of cornerback and star, are the two offensive tackle positions. I just simply do not believe that War McClendon or Xavier Trust have those positions locked down. And McClendon was fine last year, but I think it's going to be a pretty open battle for those tackle positions. So who do you think, Curtis, right now? We don't know. But if you had to project going into spring practice, who are going to end up being the answers at the tackle positions when we leave the spring?
2: If I had to go off of my gut, I would go with Warren McClendon and Broderick Jones. I just think that Broderick is going to pass up Xavier Trust.
0: So you're pretty confident saying that Jamari Salyer is moving inside to guard?
2: I think that's the best move for him, and I think that's what he wants, and the coaches know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's where his NFL future lies, and you're right. I think he knows that. I think the coaches probably know that. And I think the coaches want to give him an opportunity to play guard if, big if here, if someone else can emerge, improve, they can play left tackle consistently. That needs to happen for Jamari to move to what I think is this more natural position inside at guard. I, I, I think Roger Jones is extraordinarily talented. I think he's more physically gifted and quicker um, than a guy and longer than a guy like Xavier Truss. I'm not going to count out trust completely. We, I know we gave him a hard time after the Peach Well. They've got to realize that was his first chance to actually play uh, it, it really any meaningful snaps in, in a big game in a ballgame. It's a really good defensive front, a tough defensive front from the handle that was quick and moved around with that 3-3-5. Three, three, so I, I know I killed him for that, but I'm going to pull back a little bit and say, you know what, circumstances have to be considered there. The context has to be considered. So he'll certainly try to factor in there. You are, and you're sticking with McClendon. Do you think anyone can try to emerge to take on McClendon? I mean, maybe Tate Ratledge, but I just
2: see him more as a guard. That's just me personally. Um, and the reason I say McClendon, I think McClendon is more athletic than Xavier Trust. Like, I mean, yeah, we were hard on him. And I, he was still young, but he has terrible footwork—just absolutely terrible footwork. And inconsistent, I don't see that highly
0: inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. And
2: I don't see that improving.
0: And he's got to get stronger. I mean, he's a young guy. That happens. But with even time. then, this
2: is his second year in the program, so I mean, it's not like yeah. he's new to the weight training program. This is someone who's been in it. So you, you're not sure how much more he, so he's going to continue. I mean, yeah, he'll continue to improve, but nothing like what you'll see out of a jump out of, say, someone like Roger Jones or someone who then at that point will have a year in the system himself.
0: Yeah, and Roger, what really set him back, and he was starting to make a little bit of a move during the summer when he got here, but he had that injury, right? He got the, what was that, a scooter or whatever, motorcycle injury, whatever it was, and that really set him back. And I, I'm hopeful now with this offseason under his belt in the weight training program, the strength program, that he's able to kind of get that weight. Because he was just too small last year. He was just too small. He's got to get bigger. got to get stronger. And hopefully that has happened over the past couple of months since the end of the 2020 season. So he's a guy that I think is just so physically gifted. He's going to certainly have a shot. Marius <laughs> Mims, of course, we know when he, it's going to have a shot as well. What about – I'm just sure going to throw this name out there. What about Owen Condon? We totally forgot about this guy. This guy starts week one against Arkansas and then falls off the face of the earth. Does he have a chance to get back with the good grace of the coaches and make another move to reassert himself this off this spring? He could, but I see him in the same boat as
2: Xavier Trust. That he's just limited in what he can do and health wise, also. And I think we threw him out at that time because he was the best option at that time. But then you know McClendon got his opportunity and held on to it better than Condon did. And I just right. don't see him being athletic enough to hold off the other guys.
0: Yeah, I mean it's probably fair at this point to say McClendon's probably got a step above him, but and. When McClendon was first inserted in the lineup, I thought he did a really good job. Like he stabilized the right side there more so than Connor did. But, again, we didn't, we just didn't see that much of Connor. We kind of gave up on him very early in the season. So maybe with another offseason, he's motivated to get better, he improves, and he makes another move. I'm, I'm not going to rule him out. I wouldn't say he's the favorite, but I certainly wouldn't rule him out yet. Because, again, I think this this was, these two positions are open. And um, I'm very curious to see who's going to emerge and really try to stake claim to those spots. Again, we're not going to probably have a definitive answer. But we're going to start to find out the answer, at least have a, a pecking order going into the summer, going into fall camp.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All
0: right, let's stick with the offensive line. Another position I think is wide open. I think some people are just assuming that Warren Erickson is going to take this job and he might, but I think the center position. <laughs> Is gonna be a pretty open battle. There's a couple of guys that I think can really contend for this spot. Kurt, how do you see the center position playing out here for question number five?
2: If it plays out how I want to, then it'll be um van uh Van Pelt. Oh wow. Um uh, van, 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 van Pran. It'll be Cedric Van Pran. I just think he's just Warren Erickson is a good tough kid. He's just not athletic. Um he's so not as athletic as Cedric like Van Pran.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think that's gonna kill you, especially at the center position. You can't be slow off the ball. Um, I think that's one of the, the things with Trey Hill. Like he was so slow off the ball that he almost tried to overcompensate, and that's when he'd come with the bad snaps because he was trying to get off the ball. Yep. And you, you just can't have someone to me that'd be what you see with uh, Warren Erickson.
0: It was that and then this the big the big hindquarters for for Trey Hill that gave him issues with the snaps um what about a guy like clay webb four or five star recruit from the state of alabama got him out of alabama it's tough to do bama wanted him everybody won this guy and he hasn't really been able to find a position yet he's kind of gone he's he's an interior guy could play guard could play center but when we recruited him out of high school this guy was a center prospect is it time for him to potentially make a move
2: i think that he's more set at guard personally um but I mean, if if there was a true center battle, I'd want it between Van, uh, Cedric Van Pran and Clay Webb. I don't think Warren Erickson is a center. You think they have inside. higher
0: upsides? Well, the, okay, let me ask you this. When, why they, was Warren Erickson playing center in the, in the Peach Bowl last year?
2: I think Clay Webb just wasn't there with his weight. I think that's been a big problem for him is getting his weight up because if you watch when he gets out there, he absolutely mauls people. He just is not – I don't think he's, he was big enough at that point for the wear and tear every day.
0: And Van prance the a freshman just wasn't ready.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think Warren Erickson had been in the program. He got those reps against Baylor last year. Um, He was just – you know, had had more game experience and kind of fit that Cade Mays off the bench role where you're still – you still struggle, but you're at least better and more experienced at the time. He's been
0: in the system a little bit longer than some of those guys. And, look, Erickson is certainly a – I think more than serviceable option at center. If he ends up winning the job – I think it means he's pretty good because he's beaten out guys I think highly of, guys like Cedric Van Pran, especially and even Clay Webb. I just, I, don't, I just don't think he has the athletic ceiling that those guys have. Now, maybe he's closer to his ceiling than they are to theirs, and he still wins that job. I don't know. Uh, but if, I'm with you. If I had to put my money on it, I, I think Cedric when – when we go play Clemson week one, I think Cedric Van Pran, if he continues to improve, could be that guy. I just don't know if he'll be the starter coming out of spring. Because, like we said, it goes back to like cornerback with a mirror speed. You, a lot of times you see these guys that are veterans, they'll still get the nod to start G-Day, and they'll come out of the spring as a starter But to hear all this this noise coming out of practice about, man, Cedric Van Pran really made a move. Man, Clay Webb's really coming on. And then those guys continue to work, and then you get to fall camp. It's like, oh, yeah, well, now they've made their move in fall camp, and now they're getting reps of the ones. I think that's maybe how you could see this play out. I think that you'll see Warren Erickson open there when you like when you get like the first week of spring practice when you get the practice reports, and they list the starting offensive line. I I'm anticipating that Warren Erickson will be the first guy out there with the ones at center. Are, are you Curtis? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think he will be. Now, does that mean he holds on to it? I don't know, but um, he's gonna have a battle in his hands there because I think Cedric Van Fran and I and I think Clay Webb. I, I agree that Clay Webb could maybe fit better at guard. But, I mean, again, he was recruited as a center prospect. He can certainly play center as well. So, we'll see how that one plays out. It's not another one to watch. All right, let's go on to number six here, Curtis. And this is not so much about who's going to win a starting job. I think we have a really good group of wide receivers. And I th- we saw a lot of positive things from them last season. But – there was also plenty of room to improve, especially for guys like Jermaine Burton. So my next question here, Curtis, is maybe a little bit more nebulous, but how ready are the wide receivers as a group to take the next step? Do you really think that we start to see them, Curtis, emerge and become, like, I don't say Alabama as receivers, but become elite wide receivers? I think George is really good. I've, I've, been, I've gone over to saying I think George Pickens was really good last year, but I don't think is elite. Does George Pickens, does Jermaine Burton – do those guys become elite wide receivers in the SEC this year?
2: I think so. You saw, especially once JT was inserted into starting lineup, the receivers all of a sudden became playmakers. You know, everyone, went, where's George? Where's George? All of a sudden, JT comes in. All of a sudden, he racks up what four or five touchdowns, um, yeah. maybe more. I, I mean, all of a sudden, these guys, all of a sudden, these guys start doing stuff that they hadn't been doing, and it's just it's convenient.
0: It certainly helps. I think what George needs to improve on – I've been open saying this before, and I'm maybe you disagree with me, Curtis, but I, I think that George Pickens needs to – I he needs to expand his route tree. His route tree has not been – he hasn't had every route in his arsenal. He doesn't run them all, and he doesn't run it consistently well, and he needs to learn more than one position because that's what's going to allow us to move him around. And we started to see signs of that late in the season. We I started say, you started him. to see that
2: towards the end of the year, they yeah. started putting him in the slot at times yeah. and he was making plays. Yeah,
0: we started to see more of it. The peach bowl, especially. I, it was a sight for sore eyes for me. So I'm hopeful that he continues. Then now part of me is like, Well, did we just have did we teach him a couple of plays from that from those positions so he was able to run those in the peach bowl? I want him to master every single receiver position so that he can move around and do whatever they ask him to do and create those favorable matchups and create those mismatches that he can exploit, which will make our entire offense better. I think that's what George needs to improve on. I know that's a tall task, but this guy's going to be a junior now, and it's time for him to take the mental leap along with the physical skills that he has. And it's time for him to do that. Jermaine Burton's another guy that I'm confident can do this. We saw the flashes from Jermaine Burton last year. He was really young. He was a true freshman starting the SEC with no spring practice, with uh, uh, limited quarterbacks. Is the nicest thing I can say until we got JT in there. So I, now, a lot of that was also him just not knowing what to do and, and not making side adjustments. All those things, but I do think Jermaine Burton showed us that he has every bit the ability to do to be to become an elite receiver in, in this league and in the country. So I'm, I just I just want to see it happen. I just need to see. It. I think we need to start to see the signs this spring arian smith's another guy that we started to see some really tantalizing signs from late in the season with that speed i want to see him put that all together and become more consistent so he can get on the field more consistently if he can do that man we can have a flat out nasty wide receiver year. i do not even mention kiaris jackson so we can be really really good next year all right let's go to question number seven here curtis next up on my list we're going to go to the inside linebackers just very simply, how does the inside linebacker rotation shape up? I think N'Kobe Dean is almost certainly going to be a starting linebacker, but how does the rest of that rotation shape up?
2: Um, I think it's just going to come down to a rotation between Quay Walker and Channing Tindall. Um, I think, that especially going forward, those are going to be the, th- the three main guys you see the most.
0: Yeah. Who do you think is going to be the starter there? Who do you think is going to be the starter next to Kobe Dean?
2: Um... I may see um, Quay Walker because you've seen they've tried to push him out there more so in the every down situation where Tyndall has more so been used in a third down situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's safe to say that Quay Walker has surpassed Channing Tyndall. I just I, – I did see some good things from Tyndall late in the season. I still think Quay is the guy. I mean, I've been very honest and open about my opinion on Quay Walker. I, I, I thought he had some room to improve when he first got here, but I think he has made those improvements. He has on the defense, and the sky is the limit for this guy to inside linebacker. He might be the most physically gifted inside linebacker that we have, but I, I, do, I think I'd put my money on him to be the starter alongside Nicole Dean with Chang Tindall going to be in the rotation. What about some of the guys from a couple, couple years ago, Curtis, that we got was in the 2020 recruiting class? Ryan Davis, Tresman Marshall, do they make a move this year to try to jump into that rotation?
2: I think if anyone will be, it'd be Ryan Davis. He's at least gotten some reps. You haven't seen much at Tresman yet.
0: Yeah, well, Tresman had some injury issues towards the end of last year. But yeah, I think Ryan Davis, he's a guy that I really liked at high school. He had the injury issues in his senior year of high school, had some injury issues when he got here to Athens. So if he can stay healthy, I do. I agree. I think he's a guy that can make a move at inside linebacker. I think he moves pretty well. He can be physical inside. So I'm curious to see how much he improves and how much of a step he takes. Can he get himself in that rotation? And we get back to like a four man rotation. That which is what I think that we would like to have an inside linebacker. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, moving along here. Let's go to question number eight. This is always a really fun question when you go into spring practice. Which early enrollee or which early enrollees are going to position themselves for early playing time? Or do you see I mean, we have a ton of early? I think we have 13, I want to say 13 early enrollees that are going to be here on campus, ready to go during the spring. Do you see any of them? Starting to make a move, and again, no one's going to have none of these early roles going to earn a starting job in the spring, but they can certainly position themselves to try to earn something in, in fall camp. Who do you see as maybe a, a possibility to do that? Because we see this every single year, there's w- at least a one or two of these guys that start to make a move.
2: If I had to, I mean, just the, t- the one that jumps off right away is Nyland Green
0: just because of the opportunity there, cornerback, and I think he's that good. Um, the guy's a stud, man. The guy is, is going to be really, really good. He's long. He's physical. He's got good speed. He's athletic. So you factor that in with the fact that, as we said, there's going to be opportunity there. I think he's certainly going to put himself in that 2D. I mean, I, I think there's almost – there's very little doubt in my mind he'll be in the 2 deep I, at the very least. And if you're in the 2 deep coming out of spring, then I think you have, you're, you have positioned yourself to make a move. I, I truly believe that. Here's a guy that, I, that I've been open uh, about saying that I'm really high on him. What about Brock Bowers, Curtis? Does Brock Bowers at tight end have a chance to position himself? As much as Todd Munkin likes to use tight ends, can he make a move to to maybe try to earn some playing time this season? You are hearing that he's impressing
2: them in off-season workouts. So, I mean, you have brought it up, and I think you've made a good point, is that he offers stuff that we don't exactly have maybe in his skill set as a
0: receiver. Yeah, I mean, we we all love Darnell Washington, but – He's a different kind of tied in. Yeah, Darnell can go out there and make plays in the past. game. we saw that late in the season. He started to get some more opportunities and he made those plays. But he's still a different kind of tied in than Brock Bowers. They complement each other really well. And like Fitzpatrick did some good things for us last year. I'm not writing Fitzpatrick off. He, he's he got the, the the leg up here. Obviously, he played a lot last year. But I'm telling you, man, Brock Bowers, I mean, he's got a 40-inch vertical. This guy can flat out move. And he's got good size as well. I think he is more of that new age tight end that you see making the waves in the NFL. Like I'm not going to call him Kyle Pitts because Kyle Pitts is maybe the best player in this entire NFL draft. I mean, he's just that good. I mean, he's insanely good, but I think he's that kind of tight end in, in that vein more so than Darnell Washington is. So I think he'd be a really great compliment and give us something that maybe we don't really have from the tight ends that we have right now, as good as they have, they have been as talented as they are. I think he's just different. So I don't know, man, I think, Again, I don't think he's going to be coming out of the spring as the starter, but I think you're going to hear a lot of positive noise about Brock Bowers this spring, and I'm watching him very closely. Anyone else, Curtis, are we going to see? Uh, what about old Brock Vannegriff? I know he's he's coming off the knee certain, the, the knee injury, but can he like make a move potentially to do anything? I mean, at
2: most he's fighting for second string, which I still think at this point they'd give the stats and just because the experience that he has.
0: Yeah. And we have a, that's one of my last questions. We'll come to that in a second, but yeah, I know obviously we're all high on Brock Bowers, but I don't, I don't know if his time is now. I don't, I'm actually going to go out and let say, I don't think it's going to be now.
1: You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads.
0: all right, moving on here. Now, Aziz Ojolari, question number nine. Aziz Ojolari is a guy that is really flying up NFL draft boards right now with, with the senior season he had, the character this guy is, uh, the athleticism he brings to the table, the passers' ability, the ability to play the run. He's a total package outside <laughs> linebacker. And we had this guy last year, and he was a stud for us. He was so good for us. And when I'm going back and watching some of the games from last year already, I already started that process, and it just – it blows my mind how good Aziz was. I mean, I knew he was great in, in the season last year, but when you just really are able to sit back and just focus on him, it's like, wow, this guy was even better than I realized he was. So he's gone. He's out. We're also losing Jermaine Johnson. He's transferred to Florida State. So who is going to emerge as the top guy to replace Aziz Ojalari? We've got a couple options. Obviously, Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith are the two top options. MJ Sherman as well uh, was a freshman last year who I'm really high on. But of those guys, Curtis, if you had to pick one, who is going to emerge as the top guy to replace Aziz? It's kind of a three-down guy.
2: I would go with Nolan Smith. I think Adam Anderson has a chance to. I just at this point in time would go with Nolan. I think he's a safer bet.
0: I think that's a good way to put it, that Nolan is the safer bet here. I mean, we've said it time and time again. I hate to even say it again because we've said it so many times. Adam Anderson's just got to gain weight. If Adam Anderson can gain weight and keep the weight on, he can be that guy. He has just got to bulk up so that he can do better setting the edge against the run. He's just got to be able to play the run better. It's that simple. But as a pass rusher, I mean, I think he might be the best pure pass rusher in America. I told you guys when he came out of high school out of Rome, Georgia, that I thought he was the best pure pass rusher in that class, at least of the guys that I had watched. I wanted him badly because of that. And when we were, I mean, remember he committed to LSU. Then he backed off that pledge. He was going to go with some of his buddies, backed off the pledge, and then ends up in Athens. When he committed to LSU, I was I was devastated. It's like, oh my god, this guy is so good, and I was thrilled when he ends up in Athens. And he's had a good, solid career, especially last year, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently because of the weight issue. If he fixes that, this guy's going to be a monster. He can be a first round. He could he, he could be,
2: can be like a guy. DeAndre Walker type. S. Absolutely.
0: I, can, I think even Where better. He became than an longer. every down guy.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think, no, I think I he could be better, but Walker became an every down
0: right, linebacker. Right. Yeah. I think absolutely you're, you're exactly right there. And, and Nolan, I, I think you're right. He's a safe bet here. But here's a great number for you. I saw this number the other day. Pro Football Focus put this out. Uh, among Power Five players, the, the top five guys in, uh, or the top five returning leaders in quarterback pressure percentage were number one, Adam Anderson coming at 27.1%. So 27.1% of his snaps on the field, he was pressuring the quarterback. Noel Smith came in at number three at 23.2%. So 23.2% of the snaps was on the field. He was, or at least pass rushing opportunities, he was pressuring the quarterback. Those are elite numbers. And what that tells me is that, yeah, sure, these guys didn't get as much playing time last year because Aziz was <laughs> not good in D- D- <laughs> D- good. But when they got opportunities, Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith absolutely flat-out produced as pass rushers, really better than anyone who's coming back this season in a college football as pass rushers. So I absolutely think one of those guys can replace Aziz. Now, are they going to be Aziz? I can't sit here and say that, but I think there's a chance. I mean, I know it's hard to say when I'm talking about Aziz Ojolari as a first-round draft pick, but I think, that, I think that highly of Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith and what they can be. Now, they've got to take the next step, okay? They both have to take the next step, but I think they both have the potential to, to be those kind of players, and I'm, I just, I'm curious to see, man, like who is going to be that guy? Is, is Anderson just stick as a kind of a, a situational type, like, like he's been throughout his career, or does he start to emerge as a guy that can be more of a three down guy and can be more effective against the run? Does Nolan Smith become more consistent now that he gets more for opportunities? We talked about him last week, or is it, we thought it was more about just not having opportunities? Was that really it, or are there, are there areas where he needs to continue to improve? So that's a battle that I, I will certainly be watching. And I, but it plays out, I think we're in really good hands there and we'll be just fine, Aziz or no Aziz. I miss Aziz. He was so awesome, and I wish him the absolute best in the NFL, but I think we're still in good hands at outside linebacker. All right, and moving into our 10th and final question, you kind of alluded to this, Curtis. JT Daniels is clearly our number one quarterback. Like I said earlier, he's the guy. I mean, barring – I don't even want to say it. I don't want to put that bad juju out there into the universe. But he's our guy. But I also think it's important to say, Curtis, with his injury history – what does the situation behind JT Daniels look like coming out of the spring? You mentioned that you think it's going to be Stetson. Do you really think Stetson is going to be our number two guy again? Um, coming out of the spring?
2: Yes. Now, maybe in the fall camp, does that change? Maybe. But coming out, because he's been in the system, he knows more what Todd Monken wants.
0: I, I mean, I think that's probably, like you said, with, with Nolan being the safe answer. I think that's the safe bet, right? I think he's a guy that has starting experience. The coaches trust him Now, is, is he a superstar? Is he a guy that's going to be a major playmaker? No. We, we, we know that now. We have evidence of that. But we also have evidence that he can, we can win SEC football games with this guy against good SEC teams. Like We know that we can beat teams. Now, are we are going to win championships with Stetson Bennett? No. That's why it's really important <laughs> that Jaden Daniels stays healthy. But in a pitch, Stetson can come in, fill in, and, and be a, a more than serviceable guy. But I really want – as much as I love Stetson, I would feel better – If a guy like Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift improves enough to earn the coach's trust and move into that number two backup or that, that, I guess that number one backup role is how I would phrase that or top backup. If you had to look at Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift Curtis this spring, is it going to be JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck, and Brock Vandegrift in that order? Or do you see it potentially looking a little bit different?
2: Yeah, I bet coming out of spring, that's exactly how it'll be, but it's just a safe bet. You don't really see a lot of change, say, in the spring as much as you do see going into fall camp.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Look, Brock is – I'm hearing that he's going to be cleared for spring, but he is coming off the injury to the knee. So how – what does cleared mean, right? Because we heard this last year with JT. JT was cleared, but what exactly does that mean? That's kind of that nebulous world. Like, what, what what does that mean? I don't even know what it means anymore. So yeah, he's clear, about how much time on the field is he actually? See? How much, how many reps is he actually going to get? Yeah, like a freshman, a true freshman quarterback. He can, he'll, I'm sure he'll make some wow plays here and there if he gets the opportunity. But his head's going to be swimming; it's going to be spinning. There's no doubt there. Carson Beck is the guy I'm more interested in right now because this is this is the year for him to start to make a move. Because next year you're going to have Brock, you're going to have Gunnar Stockton coming in, and they're going to be battling it out. And there's going to be Carson Beck, maybe. If Carson Beck doesn't make a move to become the number two guy, does he start to maybe consider a transfer? These are questions we have to start thinking about. But I'm curious to see how much he improves, how much of a step he takes. Can he overtake Stetson? Because I think what's pretty clear, right, Curtis, would you agree that, that Carson Beck has a higher ceiling Stetson in a minute, right? Oh, yeah,
2: 100%. No question about it.
0: Yeah. So I, I really do think it's important with JT's injury history and just how badly that recovery went. I think it's important to have a guy that not only can be serviceable, but can potentially be a, a playmaker back there for us. I don't know if Carson Beck can be that guy. I I think he can be more so than Stetson Bennett. I just we don't know yet. But I'm gonna be watching him closely as well to see if he starts to make a move to maybe get that top backup job and, and rest that away from Stetson. That's gonna be tough because the coaches trust Stetson, and he's got that valuable experience. But I'm gonna be watching that very closely because again, like if something, God forbid, terrible happens to JT and the injury bug pops up again, like. I don't want our season to be over like it was last year when we had to have ben. and I, I. that's so harsh to say, but like, I don't want to say over, we'll still be able to win some games. We're not going to win championships and maybe we can, if Carson bet takes the next step. So I'm going to be watching that very, very closely, but uh, all right, guys, those are my 10 questions to be answered. Over the course of our 15 spring practices, like I said at the beginning of the show, we will circle back to these at the conclusion of spring drills to see what, what the answers are. Do we Did we start to get some answers? Again, we're probably not going to have definitive answers to any of these, but we're hopefully going to start to have more of an idea as to what the answers to these questions will be. And we'll, we will circle back and try to answer these again with all the information that we get out of spring. But thanks for listening, guys. You know we always appreciate it. We'll be back next week starting to cover spring practice, which feels, again, so great to say – We'll have you guys completely covered here all spring long through the month of March into April. So make sure to check back all throughout the next couple of weeks. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm
1: Tyler. And as always, go dogs.